You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into episode 144 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. It is our third podcast of the week, and we save the best for last. On today's episode, we break down the upcoming Virginia Tech Wake Forest game and what the Hokies' chances are to move to 4-1 and one on the season. Episode 144 of the Tech Sideline Podcast gets started right now. Welcome back into episode 144 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Whether you are watching live on YouTube today or archived on YouTube, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, we nearly have 10 different ways for you to consume the Tech Sideline Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us as we record on Thursday afternoon, October 22nd, on what is a beautiful day in Southwest Virginia. Our crew today, we've got our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. He is the best producer in the land. Malcolm Stewart, behind the scene, he's taking your questions for the end of the show on YouTube Live, and I am your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Again, it is great to have everybody with us. Uh, gentlemen, uh, we were we actually had uh, lunch before the podcast today, and it's such a beautiful day out in Blacksburg. I mean, what a great week of weather right now in Southwest Virginia. There's been a lot of great football weather this year, Evan. It would be wonderful to be in Lane Stadium uh, watching football. Such great tailgating weather, <laughs> fantastic. It truly is. It's a perfect day to go outside. I wonder who Tech was supposed to play this coming weekend in the original schedule. And whether, that is a good question. Because it was it's supposed to be in the seventies again. I think this Saturday. And, oh uh, man, yeah, and sunny. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and it's also been a great week for Tech Sideline. I mentioned this is our third podcast of the week. We typically do two in the fall. We recap the game on Monday. We preview the next one on Thursdays. But we had a special podcast, episode 143, on Wednesday, in which Will interviewed Virginia Tech's director of athletics, Whit Babcock. Will, how did it go, and how could people consume the podcast? Uh, it went really well. Uh, we we had him for 30 minutes. I went over a little bit, so it wound up being 35 minutes. Um, it was audio only. So uh, now we did something unusual. We had a couple of our students, uh, J- Corey Van Dyke and Jake Lyman. Well, Corey's not a student anymore. Corey, Corey graduated. We had Corey and Jake transcribe the podcast. So <clears throat> you can either listen to it or read it. Um, no, we are not going to do that again. It's just <laughs> something that I wanted you know, it's with Babcock, so I thought it should be accessible to uh, people who ordinarily don't consume audio podcasts. And uh, so Whit was at home. It was during his lunch break, and uh, um, he, he sounds re- – his audio sounds really good. I was really impressed because I think he just had his phone out. And so it, it was a schedule for 1 o'clock, and we're getting ready to do it. And I hear all these birds. He's outside on his deck, you know, and I thought, uh-oh. Huh. 
and I said, uh, what? Uh, I said something like, uh, so what's up with the bird action there? And, and Wit goes, oh, that's just, we, we've got a cuckoo clock that just sounds like that. It's, it's not going to go on and on like that. My mom had one of those clocks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, you can still, I think at one point you can still hear a little bit of tweeting going on. And I'm not talking about Twitter. I'm talking about actual birds going on at one point in the uh, in the uh, <clears throat> in the interview, so uh, Pete Morris, strategic, strategic director, Str- strategic communications, set that up for us. So appreciate Pete, and uh, you know, I I I don't think critical is too strong of a word. I've been critical of Wit for not communicating enough with the fan base at large, and the response that we've gotten from the podcast it's been up about hasn't even been up twenty four hours yet, and and people people love it. They think he did a really good job. They thought his answers were very forthcoming about uh so i asked him about uh we spent a lot of time talking about the finances and how they're being affected by the coronavirus and restrictions on attendance and all that stuff and and he gave the straight up numbers and uh he also talks about in there a uh, in the podcast a special uh um funding drive that they did for football they raised 12 and a half million dollars over the next five years for football from their highest level donors and you know, we, we we had talked to some hockey club people that said that was going on and, and and other people we'd heard that from. And so it's good for, for Wit to get that out there that that's happening. And so it was just, uh, you know, we only had half an hour, but we touched on a lot of good topics and he did a great job. So it I really recommend. was a great podcast. You can all you can listen to that the same way you listen to today's podcast, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts or on Stitcher. That's episode 143 of the Tech Sideline Podcast yeah, and, and featuring Wit And I recommend listening to it. Um, Wit is one of those guys that listening to Wit and reading what Wit said is is two completely different experiences. So I recommend listening to it. Real quick, uh, I got a text from the webmaster of Hokiesports.com, Damian Salas. We, uh, Virginia Tech would have been playing Boston College tonight in Lane in the normal schedule before it changed. Tonight or Saturday? Or I don't I, think there was a time associated with it at that point. And no, the Boston College game was set for October 22nd on a Thursday night. Oh, really? Today's oh, my God, it'd be such a perfect tailgating day. That, yep. Oh, my gosh. He sent, he sent me the schedule, so. Uh, oh, wow. I totally forgot Tech had a Thursday game yeah, originally yeah. scheduled. So it'd be right now. Man, this would Dude, it's like 75 degrees outside. It's Sunny, no, almost no wind. Man. It is perfect outside. And while you guys 72. look at the weather real quick. I do need to get in our ad read, of course, this week and every week. Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. The Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended tens of thousands of people charged with moving violations. For free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll-free, 1-800-680-7031 is the number. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. Or email the Fisher Law Firm at info at fisherlegal.com. Real quick, uh, for those that are watching on YouTube Live or watching archived on YouTube, they say Will Stewart is rocking a really unique sweatshirt. Our friends at, uh, at Campus Emporium have hooked Will up with that. It's available for purchase right now. Will, for those listening, describe what you're wearing right now and how they can purchase one. Well, everybody who knows me knows I'm super trendy. And apparently these sweatshirts are... Pop up the shoes too. Will was is going it. back and forth. No, what no, no, shoes no, no, he was no. going to wear? These aren't the right shoes. These are like $25 Nautica shoes. We're, <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> they're, they're strictly for display only. You don't want to walk around in these things. <laughs> but as far as the sweatshirt goes, I think it's called a color block sweatshirt. 
it's not really my st- my personal style, but I hear they're they're coming up in popularity these days. And I will tell you, it's made by I think the company's called Forty Seven Brand, and this thing is seriously comfortable. Um, that I did not expect when I put it on. So it's uh, really nice, and um, we'll drop a link t- to it uh, in the uh, description in the YouTube posting. So look for it there. And uh, many thanks to Campus Emporium. I don't get to keep this. Can you see the tag hanging off of it? I can't. You can't? Okay, good. I did a good job hiding it. Now I have to return this after the show. So anyway, check it out. Trust me, it is very comfortable. And the Tech Sideline Podcast, also presented by Southeast Regional Training Center. Uh, actually, wrestling was brought up on the podcast you did yesterday with Whit Babcock, and uh, he confirmed that wrestling won't start until at least January 1st. But uh, trust me, folks, the uh, roster that Tony Roby has for this coming season, they're, they're going to be a team to reckon with after. in the country. And yep. the season after, yep. yep. He's really doing a good job building the program. Our thanks to the Southeast Regional Training Center for uh, being a proud partner here at Tech Sideline and the Tech Sideline Podcast. All right, so on today's episode 144 of the show, we are going to preview Virginia Tech and Wake Forest. The Demon Deacons, a very, very good offense. We're going to talk a lot about that. What does their defense bring to the table? We're going to get to Wake Forest in just a little bit. But we do have a couple of topics that we didn't quite get to touch on during Monday's podcast. So we're going to revisit a couple of highlights from the win over Boston College, and then we will eventually transition to to Wake Forest. Chris, let me start with you. We did not get to talk about the receiving core as much on Monday's recap podcast. And Virginia Tech, 3-1 and one on the season through four games, Their number one receiver, Trey Turner, has just eight receptions on the season. Is that a cause for concern at this point? It's not a cause for concern as long as the offense keeps producing. But, I mean, yes, there will come a day where the traditional passing game, I think, is going to have to work for Virginia Tech to win a football game, and I don't have confidence that they'll be able to do it. You know, when they tried the traditional passing game against Boston College, I mean, Hooker got pressured. Like, the offensive line, as dominant as it was in run blocking, it didn't have a good game in pass protection against, you know, in traditional dropbacks. Now, maybe that's partly due to that part of, like, like the passing game itself not clicking. Maybe the Hooker and those receivers aren't on the same page. Maybe the receivers aren't getting separation, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, I think Tech's receivers have had a great year blocking. I mean, fantastic. Trey Turner's had a great year blocking. Evan Fares has had a great year. Um, Robinson has been, has been pretty good out there too. Caleb Smith. Um, but yeah, I just I don't see if it's not like a per, like a designed play off a run or something like that or some kind of fake or or something, then I just I don't see much from the, the Tech passing game. And, and you know, last year I called it the smoke and mirrors passing game or smoke and mirrors offense, and uh, you know that's still true. As far as the passing game goes, it's very much smoke and mirrors. And last year, I wondered how long that would last. And as it turned out, it lasted all year. Mm-hmm. Like the only time Tech was faced a situation last year where they had to go to the traditional passing game was, uh, you know, late in the UVA game when UVA took the lead. And obviously, see, we saw what happened there. It didn't work very well. It yeah. Didn't work at all. So hopefully, they can stay ahead in games because yeah i do think that's an issue evan and i and i think it'll be an issue in recruiting too because if i was an opposing coach i, I would I'd be, and i was recruiting against virginia tech for like a wide receiver right now i'd 
I'd say, look, this is Trey Turner. He's considered their best receiver. He was a four-star recruit. He has eight catches in four games. You don't want to go to Virginia Tech because all they're going to do is run the football and throw it to the tight ends. You just can't win, man. Right, right. It's always good. And then, okay, so you start throwing it to the wide – Back when we were throwing it to the wide receivers forty times a game, having trouble recruiting you, you, running you backs, you couldn't recruit running backs, yeah. right? So it's it's always get it's always you're there's always going to be a, a weakness. Uh, you know, it's, it's football is give and take uh, for everything. But uh, I'm, I I I I wouldn't change this offense though the way it's rolling <laughs> right now. Just just to cut, sign a, a four star wide receiver who may or may not be any good. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. So you've got James Mitchell with twelve catches for two hundred fourteen yards and three touchdowns, and you got Tavion Robinson with twelve catches for one hundred ninety nine yards and two touchdowns, and Trey with eight. Caleb Smith's got four. So. Um, it's 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 interesting how different the offense now is now and how run based. They I are. think at least two of Trey's have, have been behind the line of scrimmage too, right? Like Flanker screen screens. type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right. You know, one thing I will say though, uh, during Coach Justin Fuente's weekly press conferences on Monday morning, he really did praise the receivers' ability to block, which we've talked yeah, about. And there was a quote that he had. He said, "Actually, quote." Caleb Smith is the first one that comes to mind with guys who are contributing in ways that don't show up on the stat sheet, close quote. And uh, I, I've been impressed with him and a couple of receivers, the job they've been able to do blocking on the outside. Uh, Evan Fares uh, has actually been an upgrade over Damon Hazleton, um, in my opinion, a slight upgrade. In terms of run blocking. Run blocking. Uh, I mean, Hazleton was a good run blocker. It's weird. I looked up his PFF grades at, at Missouri yesterday. And he's having a bad season. Like he, his run blocking grades have dropped from being like a seventy five at Tech to like a forty five at Missouri. He's been their worst run blocker through three games. So I don't know what happened to that guy. Like, but he's dropped off big time in his production in, in the run game. Not that what he's doing at Missouri is Virginia Tech's problem right now. But yeah, I'm, that's right. But it's, Evan Fares, but Evan Fares has uh, has replaced that. Yeah. Uh, he's not playing as many snaps as, as Damon did, but when he's out there, he's been really good. Like he was key on that 57-yard run by Herbert the other yeah, day. Yeah. Uh, he had a great block out there. And, and I remember you and I having discussions and, and looking at the wide receiver run blocking grades from last year uh-huh. and knowing that Hazleton wasn't going to be here. Right, and being concerned. And, and we were concerned about it. And it, it has turned out to be a tremendous asset. And, and Chris probably probably a couple of weeks ago did an Inside the Numbers article on wide receiver blocking. I did. I where was, he broke I think that it was down. after first two games of the season. After two games, yeah. yeah. And, 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 it's it actually, and it's actually gotten better since then. Yeah. yeah. Continuing on a couple of themes that we did not touch on. If you uh, were not with us on Monday, episode 142 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, we recapped Virginia Tech's win over the Eagles in Lane Stadium. And one name we didn't talk about on Monday as much, and I do want to get him involved in this podcast, is mentioning Raheem Blackshear. Coveted transfer from Rutgers, uh, got cleared by the NCAA to play, NCAA to be immediately eligible in August, had his best game of the season on Saturday, had a long touchdown run. Will, how much better is this offense when Herbert is running the ball the way he's running the ball, but Blackshear is just as involved? It's so funny because coming into this season, I think Chris would agree with this, we thought Blackshear was going to be the impact player because he – he runs well, and he catches really well out of the backfield. And he just really hasn't been featured yet, and there are reasons for that. You know, he he uh, either got dinged by contact tracing. You know, he, he got held out of practice a week or two for COVID. And Chris, if I remember correctly, he literally joined the team like the Friday before the first game. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. He got a walkthrough in before the NC State game, and he had been out for at least 10 days before that. So he wasn't in playing shape, and then he hurt his hamstring. In that yes, game. yeah, and, and Fuente said that. He said, you know, he wasn't ready to go. Then we do put him out there, and, and he's trying to make a play, and he kind of tweaks his hamstring. Overexerts himself, I think is what Fuente <clears throat> said. Yeah. yeah, so he, you know. Oh, they, and by the way, he's also one of those guys that they're cross-training. Like, they've been working him at defensive back, too. Right. So he's hurt. Uh, he doesn't probably not quite up to speed on the offense yet because he's new. He missed 10 to 14 days right before the season started, and he's playing at multiple positions. He's been practicing at running back, wide receiver, and defensive back, apparently. So there's a lot on his plate right now. COVID is many things, but it's not dull, you know? <laughs> and, and there are so many things going on in college football right now. Like, we've, we'll probably get to Rayshard Ashby here in a few minutes. His production is down. I haven't read about Charles Snowden at UVA, but apparently his production is down for some reason. A great linebacker that they've got. The the details that Chris just gave on the Raheem Blackshear story, usually when a guy's not producing, it's because he's got an off-the-field problem or he's got an injury problem. And and this year, it's so different. You know, guys missing practice, not having a spring, and it affects a lot of different players in a lot of different ways. So... The thing is, there's only one football to go around, you know, and, and we all want to see Raheem Blackshear be productive. But, and, well, there's no but. It's, it, this, it's, it's all a good thing. If, if Blackshear's numbers go up, I think you can, you'll see Herbert's numbers go down a little bit. If both of those guys for some reason are limited, you'll see the wide receiver and tight ends go, go up and down a little bit. So, you know, there's very few teams that can be everything all the time and and i just like the tech's really strong in the running game yeah me too and, and that run he did break off gives you an example of what he's capable of he is fast and he's shifty and i swear at one point this season they're going to run the pop pass to him and it's going to go for like 70 yards yep and they didn't break it out against boston college because they didn't need to they they hit wake with a pop pass last year remember to Terrius wheatley and it went for about 50 yards, and Wheatley fumbled. He, he got caught and fumbled, and did he even get hurt on that play? I don't or we, remember. Did we just it was the only time he touched the ball all year. <laughs> we didn't see him the rest of the year. <laughs> no. Play, for whatever reason. Right. Uh, so maybe that's something you break out. Normally I would say, uh, I think most Tech fans would be say, uh, you don't want to break that out against Wake. Wake's a darn good offense, yeah, and they're going to score we'll points. Get we'll get into that later, but uh, – yeah, you got to wonder exactly when they're going to do it. Maybe they'll save it for Miami. Or maybe you want to put it on film to give Miami something to think about, and that helps the running game out even more. Uh, I don't know. Something to think about. But I still think if you're going to run it to somebody, he's he's an ideal candidate. Yeah. Uh, some news from this week uh, that came out earlier in the week. This is a tweet from Andy Bitter um, from October 21st. He said, quote, linebacker Rayshard Ashby said he tested positive for COVID-19 a while ago. Said it affects your breathing a little and you really can't work out for two weeks. Hashtag Hokies, close quote. You know, we talked about Rayshard Ashby. We've talked about the linebacking core. And first of all, you know, everyone who's been affected by COVID-19, we hope that they're uh, recovering and doing well. But you know, it's just such, it's another added element as we talked about this year. And Chris, you've talked about what that's got to be like for these student athletes to be quarantined and isolated and, and trying to get back into game shape. That's got to be really difficult it, to do. It certainly affects people differently. Like obviously he was down and out for a little while. Divine Diablo apparently was not. I think it was more of an annoyance for Divine Diablo. He was talking about how he was doing push-ups and sit-ups in his room just because he couldn't keep himself from going crazy you know yeah. uh so 
you saw Divine Diablo come back, and he had a good game. That, that was very impressive what he did his first game back. The fact that he hadn't, you know, practiced for a couple of weeks really and missed two games and going up against head to head against an NFL tight end like that, that was a very impre- impressive performance by Diablo considering all of that. Uh, Ashby, you know, Ashby, I think, was came back this year overweight anyway. Like when they uh, weighed in in August, he weighed in at 245. 245, yep. And he is 5'10". 5'10". So he's an inch taller than me, plus 80 pounds, right? And it's it's not good weight. So I don't think he came back from that, from the offseason lockdown in good shape anyway. Um, he was... I thought he was a little too heavy last year, honestly, and he was—I think he was two thirty-seven or something like that last year. Uh, I think he needs to be around two thirty, and so I think he came back about fifteen pounds overweight. And after the after that couple weeks in quarantine or whatever, it, I'm sure he—it wouldn't shock me if he got up to like two fifty. So he's about twenty pounds over what, in my, in my opinion, is his ideal playing weight. Yeah, and. Just that in itself would be bad enough, but do you throw in the fact that he actually had COVID and was didn't run for two weeks, didn't play football for two weeks, and he's adjusting to a new system and everything like that. So this isn't real Richard, Richard Ashby. We're probably not going to see real Richard Ashby this season. Now I'll 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 tell you what I would tell him if I was his coach. Um, he's well, a he's a senior this year, by yeah, the way. Yeah, but he can come back because he's not right. going to the NFL. Um, at least certainly not like this. Yeah. So I would tell him, look, you're a, you're a really, really good football player, but if you get yourself in tip-top shape, you can be even better. And if he can get down to 230, I think we'll see an even better Rayshard Ashby than we've ever seen, but that's, that's, a, that's up to him. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, that's how I would challenge him in the offseason if I was his coach. So again, like I think COVID has been some issues with him, but I think he was going to have issues this year, either way, because of the other things I just mentioned. Yeah. Last uh, Virginia Tech player we're going to focus on, and then I promise we're going to do a deep dive into Wake Forest as the Hokies play the Demon Deacons this Saturday. Dorian Strong has been one of the uh, highlights, no doubt, for this season. Somebody who really wasn't supposed to see the field. Uh, because of players being out in the secondary, he's gotten his chance, and the true freshman has really shown his talent. Uh, this is a part in the podcast I typically haven't done before. I'm literally going to turn it over to Chris for story time on story the Sideline <laughs> Podcast because uh, he shared this story during lunch. Folks, it's a great story. So with that, I'm just going to turn it over to Chris. Enlighten us, Chris Coleman. Yeah, so I t- when he broke up that pass against BC, I tweeted out, what did I say? I said, Dorian Strong's going to be a great football player, and it got a lot of likes and retweets, and even one current player – I don't forget which one uh, quote tweeted and said, "Correction, he's already a great football uh, player." Yeah. And I can't argue with that. But somewhere in there, it got liked by someone named Donovan Strong. So I was like, "That must be his dad." So I clicked on it, and it's a bodybuilder. And I'm like, "I think this is probably his dad, but I don't know." And I looked, tried to look it up on Hokie Sports, but they don't include parents' names and player bios anymore, so I didn't know. So I kind of forgot about it and then i went to the gym this morning and my personal trainer said hey, i met dorian strong's parents in here on saturday they were both in here doing leg day before the boston college game <laughs> and i said was his dad a bodybuilder named donovan yeah <laughs> so uh that that makes me feel really good about his future dorian strong 
his natural ability and instincts as a football player, they're fuller like is how I would describe it. I, I think that's fair. Um, you know, yeah, they look to be. Yeah, they certainly look to be to me. Um, and if he's anything like his old man, then he's going to take the weight room very seriously, which means he is going to maximize his potential at Virginia Tech. Yeah. There's nothing more frustrating as a fan, and it's even more frustrating for the coaches, I know, is mm-hmm. when one of their players they think can be really good doesn't put in the work to maximize their potential. And to be honest, I can name two or three guys on the team right now that I think fall into that category, but I'm not going to. That's not going to happen to Dorian Strong if he's anything like his dad. So so that gets me thinking, like, when Dorian Strong committed to Virginia Tech over Delaware State, I need to go back and check the comments on that article on TSL <laughs> because I'm sure it probably got a few, uh, why are we recruiting against Delaware State? Right. So it's one thing to like all the all fans can do is look at the 247 database. That's all the information they have on the player. So coaches have more than that. Like he showed up at Virginia Tech satellite camp at like Bowie State or something like that. Uh, Where is that? Maryland? Maryland. Yeah. Coaches loved him. He had a great camp. And then after the camp, I'm sure they met his dad. Yeah. So they said, okay, that guy's a great football player, and his dad has a, has a great enough work ethic to look like this. Mm-hmm. That really, really, really bodes well for his future, right? And that doesn't go into recruiting rankings, that, that, those type of stories. So, uh, yeah, that's my Dorian Strong story. Uh, it just everything's adding up to predict stardom for, the, for that guy. Yeah, a good, a good yeah. career. So. I, I like story time with Chris Coleman. We might need to... We, we should have an Ask Evan segment. <laughs> Ask Evan segment. Let oh, me, so let me start it off right now. I, I can see your smile radiating through your mask right <laughs> Thanks, now. Chris. Because tomorrow is Borat 2 day. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you? I'm very Borat excited. <laughs> I am very excited. Uh, that is one of the dumbest comedies I've ever seen. Uh, it is it is dumb fun. It's one of those movies I'd never want to watch with my parents, but but no. uh, it is a uh, the first Borat I watched in Minnesota, and uh, so yes, I actually have plans to watch tomorrow night. Oh it, uh, well, it's, it probably comes out at midnight tonight, right? You got a good point. I might, yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to watch it with someone in Minnesota over Zoom. So okay. there's a great oh, watch over. Okay. So uh, share my screen. So anyways, thanks thanks for bringing that up. We, so we've got Ask Evan. We've got Story Time with Chris. Uh, we got to figure out something for Will. Well, we'll we got the fashion it. show with Will. The fashion oh, show with Will. Wearing his campus emporium stuff and talking about his shoes. You know what? If we're talking about fashion show, let's go ahead and shout out our friends at Grit. Something Virginia Tech is going to need to bring on Saturday against Wake Forest. We didn't rehearse this show at all. We did by not the way. set this it's up just ahead of time. It's flowing so smoothly. I, I mean, it really is. But no, Grit, proud uh, partners here, uh, sponsors of the Tech Sideline podcast, Tech Sideline. Will is wearing that mask. For those that can't see, it's a really great Grit mask. They've got shirts, they've got hats. Uh, it's a great time to go check them out. Yep. As we say every podcast, go to the Tech Sideline website, hit the more menu, and click our sponsors, and they're listed there. There you go. All right. That was one of the smoothest moments in 144 episodes God, of, the, uh, yeah, I know. of the Tech Sideline That's one of those podcast. you want to like put on a bottle and just keep it. Evan is a highly paid professional. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and transition to what everybody wants to uh, talk about. That is the upcoming game this weekend. The 3-1 and Virginia Tech Hokies go on the road to take on the 2-2 two and two Wake Forest Demon Deacons, who have won their last two games. They opened their season with a loss to Clemson, lost a heartbreaker 45-42 to North Carolina State, but 
bounce back with a big win over Campbell, and then put up 40 points in a win against UVA. Chris, what do we make of this Demon Deacon team that was a top 25 team from a season ago? Uh, I think they're exceptionally balanced on offense. They've got two good running backs, especially uh, Kenneth Walker the third. He's he's uh, he's very good. I think Hartman he started for them two years ago as a redshirt freshman. had a, had a good year, 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions as a redshirt freshman. Newman took over last year. Hartman backed him up. I think a lot of people in Hartman's situation might have transferred Hmm. in that situation, maybe, but he did not. Uh, Newman transferred to Georgia and then opted out. Um, Yeah, what Hartman's done this year is impressive. His big-time throw rate, I believe, is tops in in the ACC. And he's doing it without uh, without, uh, Sage Surratt. Surratt is possibly a first-round pick at wide receiver who had such a good game in Lane Stadium. Yeah, and if you remember, that game went south for them when Surratt got hurt. Right. Because uh, Wake had some talent, but they weren't real deep. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I just – I think of how good their offense is right now, and then I think, man, if they had Surratt, they'd be even better. But uh, they got four quality wide receivers. Mm-hmm. They've got the highest-grading wide receiver in the in ACC, in yeah. uh, Jakari Roberson, I believe. Um, one, one, one of the best football players you've probably never heard yeah, of. Yeah, absolutely. Of yeah, absolutely. So, like, they're not going to run their quarterback any. That's not something Tech has to worry about. But uh, in terms of traditional running game and passing game, their balance is very impressive. They're, I, I mean this in a good way, but uh, some people might, if you're a Wake fan, you might take it as disrespect, but they're like a poor man's North Carolina. Mm-hmm. that they hit you with like their balance is what makes me say that um they got four good receivers just like i think north carolina does they got two good running backs just like i think north carolina does hartman's not as mobile as sam howell but uh the offensive line's probably the weak spot of the offensive line although unc certainly didn't look weak against virginia tech and they'll they'll attack you downfield with the pass oh my god for yeah. said on monday night he was like they're they're the team that if they're at the one yard line they they still might throw bombs at their own one yard right <laughs> uh, so let's see twenty eight of Hartman's one hundred attempts have come twenty plus yards downfield which is the highest rate in the ACC that means one out of every four throws they're going deep yeah uh, average depth of target is thirteen point one yards downfield which is the highest in the ACC so. Uh, and it's amazing that his like efficiency rating is so high. I think his, his PFF grade is third in the ACC behind only Trevor Lawrence and Howe. It's amazing taking so many low percentage shots down the field that he's still been able to be so efficient. So, listen, this is not going to be zero to zero at the end of regulation. <laughs> you, you, you will not see me doing this at the end of regulation. Fuente might be doing this at the end of the game. If he is, it's because he's going to be glad we won. <laughs> we we escaped with a victory. Right? Uh, will, for those that aren't listening, what are you doing and what are you referencing on the podcast? I set? am holding both arms above my head, Frank Beamer style. From <laughs> at the, the end of regulation of what was it, 2015? Uh, 14. 14, I think. Yes, that was the year. Yes. Yeah, fit, yeah. Let, let's not go down. That <laughs> um, so yes, uh, so couple things as Chris was talking. Uh, Wake does it. I don't know the terminology, but Wake does that funny thing where they run the read option and they hold the mesh point for a really Deep. long time. Yeah, and and I believe the theory behind that is it keeps the defensive line from aggressively attacking because you don't know who's going to have the ball and you don't know if he's going to pull it out and pass it. So it kind of just 
slows everything down. And you need to do that. They're, they're not going to recruit great offensive lines. So I think that's part of the philosophy there. Now, the other thing about Sam Hartman is um, Chris is correct. Overall, he's number three in the ACC and it is passer rating by um, PFF. We're not talking about pass efficiency rating, but his PFF is grade. We should grade. probably say grade, not rating. Grade, yeah. excuse yeah. me, yes. Uh, if if he's not pressured, he's the second best quarterback in the ACC behind Trevor Lawrence. If you pressure him, he drops all the way down to 12th or 13th. So I remember talking last week about uh, Phil Dracovic, and Dracovic's ratings weren't any different w- w- when he was pressured and not pressured. In the case of Hartman, it is very different. So um, the key is to is, is to get pressure on him. There's as I, as I put it at the end of our game preview today, which we posted the you know, early afternoon. I said I said there's not a lot of good news here for the Virginia Tech defense. You know, um, it's 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 got the potential to be a long day. Um, the other thing we're leaving out is uh, Wake Forest has one turnover, I believe, on the entire season. Sounds right. Correct. Yeah, no interceptions. I think they've given up a fumble and. They're tied for number two in the country in turnover margin because they've taken the ball away nine times and only given it up once. They they have two pick sixes this year. So they have two touchdowns off turnovers, and they've only turned it over once themselves. Now, as we detailed against Boston College, that was kind of Boston College's story going in. They had eight takeaways and only three turnovers, and then they just they just blew up and melted down. So Turnovers are one of those things, you know, that you don't know how that's going to go. They're kind of uh, random. Like, like you can you can look at the end of the season and say whether a team is good at turnovers or not, but that that that's the uh, that's the macro, right? Well, they're, they're There's like, always going to be a micro. Like, even a team that's really bad at turnovers is going to have one really good game, right? And the teams that are really teams good that are really bad at free throw shooting are going to make eighteen out of twenty, yeah, right? Or, or a team that's an eighty percent team is going to have like a 55% one right. night. That's that's just the way it goes. Uh, yeah. I think teams like Wake Forest and Boston College they're uh like like they have some good players on both of those teams but not enough of them. Yeah. Um so there's certain things they have to do to win and be good at penalties and be good at turnover margin. Don't give the other team the ball and uh you saw what happened when a team with less talent is minus five in turnovers last week, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So Wake Forest is extremely capable of beating Virginia Tech this Saturday. They're also capable of losing by 30 if they screw up, <laughs> right? Uh, Sports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple of numbers. I know we threw a couple of stats out at the beginning. I might be repeating it, but I do think it's important to, to hammer this home in terms of his advanced metrics from PFF. Big-time throw rate, 13% number one in the ACC. We're talking about quarterback Sam Hartman. Average depth of target, 13.1 yards. That's the highest in the ACC. And 28% of his attempts have been 20-plus yards downfield, the highest rate in the ACC. However, one thing I wanted to point out real quick, they really spread the ball out well on offense. You look at the numbers of their four receivers. You mentioned Jakari Roberson, 20 catches, 314 yards. Donovan Green, 10 catches, 198 yards. Taylor Morin, 15 catches, 197 yards. And A.T. Perry, 194 yards receiving on 13 catches. So that's four receivers, Will, that can make you pay. And, uh, and I read something on our message board, some advanced stats stuff, and I think it's Roberson that this is being talked about. And, you know, I can grab my printout here and try to look it up. But if it was Roberson, they, they, they will throw it to him anywhere on the field. 
anywhere from behind the line of scrimmage to 30 or 40 yards downfield. It's on here. You print it out. And and guys like that are hard to defend when you don't know. You know, some guys are strictly possession receivers. Some guys are deep guys. Yeah, I've got got the numbers right here. So for Roberson, they, they use him everywhere. They've thrown it to him five times behind the line of scrimmage, eight times from zero to nine yards beyond the line of scrimmage, seven times from 10 to 19 yards behind the line of scrimmage, and six times 20-plus yards downfield. So so who's that, Shamari Connor? He's got to deal with that? Uh, yeah, it depends <laughs> on where he lines up. Uh, yeah. I think he's he's a lot of times he is in the slot. Mm. Now, uh, hopefully the zone, zone defense has taken a step forward uh, the, this week. And with, we'll see, but he's all right. He's the highest graded wide receiver in the ACC by a mile. That's the guy. Yep. Well, not even uh, highest graded uh, receiver. And you hit on this, and I'll say it again with a Pro Football Focus grade of ninety two point six. He's the highest rated offensive player in the ACC, just that, edging out UNC's Javante Williams and Virginia Tech's Hendon Hooker and Khalil Herbert. That's he, yeah, think, offensive I mean, player. That's as a, as a guy who studied the PFF grades the last few years. That's as good as it gets. Think of. Uh, Think of the Caleb Farley of wide receivers. Just darn near perfect when it comes to... Uh, yeah, that was roughly Farley's right. coverage grade. Right, and It was right. the best in the country. Yes. Yeah, yeah so uh, just a really, really good football player. And and, and I think Wake is exceptionally well coached. Uh, they have a completely different style of quarterback now than they did last year. Uh, yet they're able to still... They've been able to change their offense enough, adapt to their personnel, and still be very, very productive. Um, Virginia Tech coaching staff has shown the ability to do the same thing um, with, with their different personnel at quarterback through the years. So uh, I've been impressed by the job Clawson's done at Wake, at Wake Forest. I think he's a good coach. Wake Forest seems to have a a knack for hiring good coaches and. The uh, thing is, man, you can go six and six at Wake Forest, and that's a really good job. That's and when you win eight, that's an amazing job. Well, they they know who they are, and then right. and they hire to it, right? So, Will, you'd think with this uh, great quarterback and Sam Hartman, so many options at receiver, the running game can't be that good. But <laughs> in the words of Lee Corso, not so fast. Uh, this rushing attack is really good. Kenneth Walker the third, sixty-seven carries, three hundred eighty-three yards, and seven touchdowns. Um, seven touchdowns, that's some of the most by any running back in the entire country. And then Christian Beal-Smith, 256 yards on the ground, four touchdowns. Uh, so far this season, uh, Walker the third is the number three rated tailback in the ACC by Pro Football Focus behind Khalil Herbert and Javante Williams from North Carolina. That's in the ACC. Right? In the ACC. Yes, in the ACC, uh, behind Herbert and Williams. Does this remind you at all of North Carolina and the two running backs they have and now Walker the third and Bill Smith? I think Walker's really good. I wouldn't put Bill Smith on that level. Like I said, it's a poor man's North Carolina. Um, but I, I think Walker's good. I mean, he had a really good year as, as a true freshman. I don't remember if he was a true freshman or a, or not. But, uh, I'll look him up here. Yeah. Uh, uh, he is a sophomore right now. So, so regular sophomore. True so sophomore. Yeah, true, yeah, I think – he rushed for close to 600 yards maybe last year, and he averaged 5.7 yards a carry last year, 5.7 yards a carry this year. Very, very consistent running back. I think it was something crazy like he's got an extremely low big play rate, so he's not out there breaking a bunch of plays of, of above 20 yards, which means he's extremely consistent on all his runs to be but be able to average that many yards per carry. But, Evan, isn't he the guy that had a 75-yard run against UVA? He, he did. UVA. He did. That's yeah. one of his few examples, yeah. 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 And and so for those who who missed it, uh, Wake got up early on UVA fourteen nothing really early, 
and UVA clawed their way back and fought their way back. And, and it was something like 23-all at halftime, or 20-20 at halftime. And Wake came out, and Walker ripped off a 75-yard run. And then they did a pooch kickoff that UVA botched, and it got batted around, and Wake picked it up, and then uh, took it into the end zone in just a few plays, and they were suddenly up two touchdowns. And they wound up beating UVA 40-23. to um, So... Yeah, I wouldn't quite put them on the UNC running backs right. level. Uh, Walker, you could make an argument for maybe, but but not Bill Smith. Although Bill Smith is solid, but like how many yards did UNC rush for against Virginia Tech? Do you is anybody three ninety nine? That sounds right. Yeah, so four hundred yards. Okay, so that means like Wake only might rush only for like two fifty or two seventy. Um, because Virginia Tech's defense against UNC was kind of nowhere to be found, right. and UNC. McWake isn't that good, but they're still good enough to put a real hurting on Tech if the Hokies don't play a lot better. And that's my concern is Virginia Tech has played one balanced offense this year, and that was UNC, and look what happened. This offense is balanced. It's a concern. Chris, rank for me North Carolina State, Duke, North Carolina, Boston College, Wake Forest. Give me the best offenses top to bottom out of those teams. Oh, man. Well, North Carolina. I, ju- I just forgot all the time all the teams you said. North Carolina would have to be number one. Who were the other teams? Basically, well, yeah. basically everybody Tech has played and yes. is going to play this weekend. Yep, include so the five teams. Oh, oh okay, okay, already. Okay, so I would go. I'd go North Carolina. I, I would go North Carolina number one, of course. I think it's a toss up between Wake and NC State for number two. If uh, Devin Leary's playing, if for Devin NC State. Leary's playing, and also like Wake scored forty two. On NC State, that's 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 pretty good. NC mm-hmm. State's defense isn't isn't bad. Final all. score of that game was 45-42 North 42. Carolina State. Right, exactly. Um, one of those might I think one of those was a pick six, but still, um, I I would go slightly slightly NC State ahead of Wake, hmm. um, but you can make an argument e- either way. Um, that's with Devin. Devin Leary, uh, I think Duke is definitely uh, with, with, Devin without Leary. without Devin Leary, <laughs> without Devin Leary, Wakes is definitely better. Yeah, uh, and, definitely and better. NC State's uh, got uh, UNC this weekend at noon, and, yeah. and they're playing like like Chris said, they're playing without Devin Leary. So yeah, I know that's a shame. That, that's really unfortunate because that that would you know UNC lost. Oh, uh, it's great Florida timing. State. Like, how are they going to respond to adversity, UNC? Yeah. After here, after reading their names, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> no, sorry. that's a, no. Okay, so. <laughs> Where are we at? U- UNC, Wake Forest, NC State. Very, very close between two Boston and three. College, then Boston then College, then Duke. Yeah. No, I, I, th- I, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess say Boston College, then Duke. Although Duke, I think, is technically more balanced than BC. Listen, we, we could spend a full podcast on uh, how North Carolina lost that game to Florida State this past weekend. I don't oh, know if you guys were watching that. I watched the end back, of it. I mean, I watched him drop all those passes at the end. I haven't of had it. a chance to see it yet. Well, I would say Sam Howell should be livid, but he threw a pick six to a freaking defensive end, so what yeah. am I? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so final question about the Wake Forest offense. I'm going to relate it back to Virginia Tech's defense. If the Hokies are going to be able to have success against Wake Forest's offense, what one player for Virginia Tech has to have a great game? I'll start with Will, and then we'll go to Chris. I would say uh, I'm going to hinge my answer on the opinion that <clears> – <throat> that they need to make Hartman uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I still think Virginia Tech's linebackers are coming along. I, I think they're 
Uh, from what we've seen in the first four weeks, I don't think they're going to have much of an impact in the blitz they pl- game. They did play their best game against yes, this getting, past week by far. Coming along. Yes, but the, but it was more in coverage and, and doing the right assignments than, than it was blitzing. And I don't know how uh, how dinged up Justice Reed is. Uh, if he's healthy, he he's a guy that, that needs to have a good game. And if not him, Emmanuel Belmar, you know. Uh, bring some pressure off the edge, make Hartman uncomfortable. That's my answer. I think uh, Tech has generated most of their pressure this year off blitzes. So uh, I am going to go with Virginia Tech's best blitzer. And he's going to be extremely important in pass coverage as well. And if the Hokies want to get sacks, he's going to be important there as well. So I'll go Chamari Connor. Yeah, he's, he's, he could have a lot on his plate this yeah. weekend. It's a very talented Wake Forest offense. They're 2-2 two and two going into this Saturday's game against Virginia Tech. They've won their last two games. We're going to step aside for a break here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. But when we come back, what should we make of the Wake Forest defense and Carlos Boogie Basham? All that and more coming up next. You're listening and watching the episode 144 of the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Thanks so much for being with us. Episode 144 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Evan Hughes alongside Chris Coleman, Will Stewart. We've got the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes. He's taking your questions now on YouTube. If you're watching live, be sure to drop a question. Will and Chris will be happy to answer it in about 10 to 15 minutes. We're going to break down Wake Forest, uh, their defense. Then we're going to get game predictions. And then we'll get to the YouTube live questions. All right, let's. Uh, I want to go to the headline that Chris used in the game preview, which, by the way, is up on TechSideline.com right now. Headline, the Wake Forest defense, not bad, but not good. Here are the pro football focus grades for each major category of the defense. Overall, number seven in the ACC, correct? Yes, in, in grades. In, in, the in the grades. So PFF grades for each major category, Wake Forest ranking in terms of teams in the ACC. Number seven overall, number 10 in rush defense, Number one in tackling, number 12 in pass rush, and number six in coverage. So, Chris, yeah. you just wrote the game preview. What do we make of this Wake Forest defense? That, means, that, that mean, paints a pretty clear picture. It means you can block them. They're, they're mediocre in coverage, so you'll complete some passes. But that free hitter is going to make the tackle, right? There's always an unblocked guy. In, in football, right? That's just the nature of the game. And their free hitter is doing a great job make, uh, making the tackle. Um, the thing of, and Khalil Herbert has broken a lot of tackles this year, but at the same time, he's also had a lot of runs where nobody touched him at all. And as Will wrote in his part of the game preview today, you can't tackle what you can't touch. So that, that that's going to be very interesting. If, if, that's that's if, classic if, stuff right there, man. That's it, why I make a living as a writer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when Hilbert, if if Herbert can get in the open field against Wake Forest, is a Wake guy going to be able to be in a position to tackle him? And if he is in position, will he make the will tackle? Will he do it? Right, yeah. right. So, uh, but again, you know, I, I think. I'd very much like this to be the week where Virginia Tech comes out and has a really, really balanced 
offensive attack. I mean, it'd be awesome if they could come out and rush for 250 and pass for 200, or in Virginia Tech's case, rush for 350, because that's closer to what they've been doing, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah, I think balance would, would be fantastic this week. Uh, Wake, like, I think, again, I think they're exceptionally well coached on defense. Uh, Fuente talked about it on Monday night. He was like, he was like, coaches aren't going to say when they think another team is poorly coached. He yeah, they won't say that. Yeah, they're not going to say that. But he's like, but I'm telling you right now, when I watch the film and I see them make adjustments defensively, I know their coaching staff always has the answer from an X's and O's standpoint. Mm. So you aren't going to go out there and trick them, right? Right? Like you're gonna like your players are going to have to out execute their players. Um, Virginia Tech has better talent, so that bodes well. Uh, but at the same time, man, they're 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 exceptionally well coached, in my opinion. So. Uh, I, I think it's. I think Tech will score on them, uh, for sure. But I also think like maybe not quite so many of those big plays will, will be there this week because uh, I, I think they do have smart players. Uh, Basham is their best player. Yeah. But- so so let me read some stuff about him. Um, <clears throat> over the last twenty two games, this is from Wake Forest game notes. Uh, over the last 22 games in his career, he has been the most consistent force in the country at getting into the backfield. He has at least one tackle for loss in all 22 of those games. So that's interesting. And he has a sack in each of the four games this year. And he's uh, fourth on their all-time list with 19 and a half sacks. And that's a list that in- includes, at the very least, Aaron Curry, Yeah, I, I would think. Um, and the, the question – always comes up even though it's been covered many many times is he related to bernard Bernard. basham that used to play for virginia tech i looked it up bernard was at tech from 1990 through 93 so 30 years ago and uh boogie carlos is from roanoke i think he went to william fleming um and yes they are related they're third cousins and i looked up a really neat thing for twitter it's called a cousin map (laughs) <laughs> and, it, and it graphically shows out if what? somebody's your third cousin, apparently you share like a great, great grandparent or something like that. So I, I doubt they're having um, Thanksgiving dinners together and stuff like that. <laughs> yes, yes, they are related. Uh, well, I mean, if your last name is Basham, you have to be. Yeah. You know, it, it's uh, so um, all that said, uh, as I was looking at this, I, I don't know if Chris touched on this. Um Boogie is not having as good a season. The, the stats are still there, but the, the grade is not there. He, he's graded out in the 80s the last two years, and this year he's in the 60s. Low 60s. Yeah, yeah. So now, now there, there isn't any sort of breakdown in what he's not doing as well. Is he not defending the run as well or, or what? So He basically had a great game against Campbell, had an awful game against Clemson, and was just sort of there for their other right, two games. Right. And we never know why that is. These days it could be COVID, it could be contact tracing, it could be just maybe he didn't prepare well in the offseason be because he didn't think there was going to be a season. Uh, <laughs> you just don't know. But we do know he's capable and he's going to yeah. line up uh, both defensive end spots for Wake, so you never not quite know if he's going to be a, a, over Tenuta. Or, or over or Darisaw. Uh, or Darisaw, but it'll be a fun matchup either oh, way because sure, yeah. all we talk about three guys that are NFL players. Um, right. But I do know this: sometimes the football gods just smile on you with a perfect name, <laughs> and uh, right, that is a perfect football name. Actually, no, that that's a lie. The perfect football name was wasted on a CNN anchor, Wolf Blitzer. Now, that guy, <laughs> should, that guy should be an outside linebacker. Right? Blitzer, get on the sack. <laughs> um. 
you know, you look at this Wake Forest defensive line, you mentioned Basham, but you look at the years. Um, Carlos Basham, redshirt senior. Suleiman Kamara, redshirt senior. Tyler Williams, redshirt junior. And Ja'Cory Johns, a redshirt sophomore, linebacking corps experience. Not to mention Suleiman Kamara, uh, a Richmond guy. He went to Hermitage High School. Actually covered right? him in high school. He played against my high school. So um, he was a really talented 804 guy who went to Wake Forest which uh, I was actually confirming this before I asked this, a trivia question since I brought up Hermitage High School where Suleiman Kamara went. What former Virginia Tech quarterback was from Hermitage High School in Richmond, Virginia? Juju. Is wow. It, is, Chris is that, Colton. Is Juju Dwayne, Clayton. Is that where Dwayne Brown went? I believe so. Yeah, yes. I think Good call. Right. Yeah, yep. yeah. Juju Clayton. Juju. He Juju allowed Clayton. Logan Thomas to redshirt. Yes. No, oh, that makes uh, Chris we Coleman. We haven't used red shirt. <laughs> yeah, I almost brought it up when we were talking about story time with Chris Coleman weaving in a red shirt. But yeah, Juju mm-hmm. Clayton went to Hermitage High School. There's your random trivia. Look, I'm the one who went off on a tangent, so wait. I'm going to bring myself back. Hey, wait a minute. we got more trivia. What was Juju's real first name? Joseph. I know everything there is to know about Joseph about Juju Joseph Clayton. Juju Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, gosh. People are like, who is that? <laughs> he, as I'm reading this Richmond Times article, because I was trying to confirm it before I brought it up, he backed up Tyrod Taylor and then went from backup to third string. He only completed five career passes. Okay, so like Logan, attempted. if he if he have, wasn't been for Juju Clayton, then Logan would have been a – would not have been able to redshirt. He would have been a senior in 2010. So I think the the 10 win streak would have ended one year earlier. It would have ended in 2011. Wait a minute. Who, 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 I, I phased out. Oh there. no! Wait! 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 I'm way off. I'm, I'm way off. I'm yeah, Lo- Logan. It, it would have been. Uh, Tyrod was in 2010. Sorry. Sorry. Right. Um, so let's see. Logan, like the bowl streak might have ended. Right. In the, 20, bowl, the bowl in streak, might, like 2013, right. maybe or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and and you never know. Like, like Logan got an extra year to develop, and he ended up getting drafted as a quarterback after that extra year. So maybe, maybe that extra year he didn't get drafted. So like, so maybe Logan has a little extra money now that he wouldn't have had except for Juju Clayton. So stop man. by Richmond, take Juju out to dinner. Yeah, there you go. Wow. See, yeah. see, I'm, I'm I know more than your average Hokie fan about that dog, Will Hunt. <laughs> Will Hunt, who played quarterback for – Evan's got a blank look on yeah, his face. He has no idea what you're talking about. What year about. were you born, Evan? 99. Oh, gosh. So I tell people this all we the time. We signed Will Hunt in 2001. 2001. I tell so people you... all the time. My first my first game that I can remember of Virginia Tech football was 2007 Tech ECU. That's like the first memory yeah. I have. And Sean Glennon's the first Tech player I can – like remember, so, so 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 Will Hunt was a uh, was a kid that Tech recruited out of uh, Arkansas as a quarterback, and some of his high school highlights are like Michael Vick like he had eyes in the back of his head to escape the rush, but he but he couldn't pass a lick unfortunately because <laughs> his team didn't pass, so uh, he only lasted a couple of years here at Tech. But uh, Will Hunt is tight with uh, Justin Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I think they were in each other's weddings. They became really good friends while they were uh, football players here. And uh, TSL user Freddie Berg Hokey, didn't he write something about Will Hunt and he used the phrase, that dog will hunt? And a few people on the boards didn't get it. They got and, mad. And they got they thought <laughs> they thought he was actually calling Will Hunt a dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's, uh, that's, that's fantastic. I got to love tangents. Thanks, everybody, for staying with us there for a second. Okay. Assuming you did. Back to the Wake Forest <laughs> defense. Talked about the defensive line. 
Anything else here before we move on to special teams quickly? It, you know, they've got a freshman, it looks like a cornerback, and Kalen Carson. It looks like a younger secondary compared to its linebacking core, and especially its defensive line. They play multiple guys in the secondary. Like, uh, they look like they'll, they'll take out one of these safeties and put in a nickel. And, you know, actually one of their guys who's technically not listed as a starter on, on the depth chart is uh, wrong side of the piece of paper. Where am I at here? Uh, Zion Keith, uh, he's their highest grading defensive player. I'm sure he comes in. You know, I think they list a, a th- four linemen and three linebackers by default. But you know, now they might use that formation some against Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech will line up heavy. Yeah, that's true. that's yeah, true. Yeah, so uh, I don't know, but but yeah, they're, they're going to run multiple personnel. I think they've played four different corners this year, and that could be because of COVID. It could be because of contact could be because of COVID. It we, could we, be. It could be because the coaches just haven't found two guys they trust yet. Right? Who the heck knows this year? Um, but you know, I think it's one of those defenses that, like, I think the title pretty of of the section in the article pretty much says it all. Like they're. Not bad, they're, but not good. They're just as mediocre as mediocre gets. This could be a really fun game. Really nice. If you like really. points, this could be the game. Yeah. Uh, Will, I want to transition to special teams real quick. Uh, Donovan Green has returned one kickoff for touchdown and ranks second nationally with 43.5 yards per return. They've got a, a, a pair of dangerous return men, according to Chris, so special teams could no, have an impact. To be fair, week. I did not delve too deep into those stats. I have no idea if that came against Campbell. Yeah, or, or not. Knows, but uh, Campbell's a zero and four. When I went, the kick return was against Campbell. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, let's see. So, like, to a certain extent, their offensive stats are padded because they played a terrible Campbell team, but they're also they also played Clemson, right? right. So it kind of right. it evens it, it out. Yeah. Um, and so you know the thing to remember is that I don't know how representative this is of of how they play the game overall. But remember I mentioned that they, they had a pooch kickoff. That was intentional against UVA. The guy didn't flub it. They did it on purpose to try to fool him, recover it, and go up two scores, and it worked. So You know, that caught James Sheba's side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So telling his guys to look. I mean, now, you're telling now, me now, the Bronco Mendenhall was outcoached. <laughs> Virginia Tech, uh, I think Boston College tried one of those pooch kicks on Virginia Tech, and they handled it very well. Um. Speaking of special teams, last point I'll make before we get to uh, picks. I do want to bring this up going back to Virginia Tech quickly. Um, Coach Justin Fuente mentioned on Monday night he's been disappointed in Tech's punt returns this season, and he made it sound as if it might be a point of emphasis for this week. Chris, you detailed that in your article. So, uh, you know, Tavion Robinson, of course, the Duke game, I think we all come Mm -hmm. to think about that, and the muffed uh, fumble for a touchdown on the punt return. You think Tavion Robinson might be breaking out here soon? Uh, I mean, you like to think he would. He, he would. You know, punt returning is one of those things where you can get stopped for no gain for six punts in a row, and then you break the next one for 70 yards, and, and you're a big hero. Your average right? is good. Yeah, so he hasn't done pretty much anything through the first four games of the but, season. But last year I thought he was pretty consistent once he took over. Once he took over, he was extremely – it seemed like every game he had at least one, one pretty big return. 10, 15, 20, 30 right, yards. Right, yeah. Um now, I don't know, but I, I think it's coming at some point. He's too good a player for it for it not to be. In my it, opinion, it's, at this point, it may be a confidence issue. You know, I, I, one of the things that doesn't get talked about a whole lot is the difficulty of, of fielding a punted football. Um, how high in the air they go. Sometimes you're in stadiums at night. How well are you seeing that thing when it's up there? You know? And you're looking up, and normally there's fans all over the place, and now there's not. You know. <laughs> 
or or you're you're playing in a dome and you're Ryan Williams and you've never fielded a punt before in your life and uh, oh god yeah don't remind me <laughs> let's, but, not, uh, let's not get on that team quite quite frankly like COVID affects special teams probably before it affects anything else because that's your depth right there yeah. man yeah. like to have to be really good at special teams I think you I think you need to have decent depth in your program and like. We've talked about how, like, I don't even think Virginia Tech could effectively install the defense when they were only practicing with 50 or 60 total players there for a while. How in the heck could you practice special teams? Yeah. So, yeah. like, uh, I think I think special teams is probably easily just uh, just as easily been in, as impacted as Virginia Tech's defense, and yet the Hokies are still on the whole having a very good year on special teams. I mean, did you notice how Wake uh, Wake Forest, how Boston College just quit on kickoff return? They were just like, ah, just fair catch it. Hmm. Uh, I noticed that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they were doing in the second half. I think their, their kickoff return guys were just fair catching it. Like, like if it wasn't kicked in the end zone, they were fair catching it and taking it to the 25-yard line. Because hmm. um, they didn't think they had any chance at all to re- successfully return a kickoff to the 25-yard line against Virginia Tech. And so, that, so, you know, BC, they're trying to maximize – I mean, they're trying to gain hidden yardage at that point. That's a right. hidden five yards on the drive, maybe, or or, or something. Uh, but I think it says, like, where where are you as as a program if you're BC? It's like, oh, like they quit running the football because they can't do it. They quit returning kicks because they can't do it. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, how about you quit beating Virginia Tech? Like uh, ever? They finally did that. <laughs> All right, it's time for the most anticipated part of the podcast. We're just over an hour in. <laughs> um, it is time for Will and Chris to give their game predictions. Which are, once again, almost identical. God, that was uncannily <laughs> identical this week. Uh, Will, let me let me start with you. Who would you go with and why? All right, so last week proved that you know something like uh, turnovers could just throw a game out of whack. Mm-hmm. We thought that was an even matchup. We predicted it as such. Um, statistically, it was even, except for turnovers, and it winds up being a blowout. So I don't know why I feel the need to give that disclaimer before making a pick. Just make a pick. I think it's a very similar situation to the Boston College game. You know, I, I don't, I don't see a lot of differentiators here, and and the over under is sixty eight. So Tech averages forty two points a game. Wake averages forty. That's a total of eighty two points. The over-under is 68. If I was a betting man, I would take the over, which means that's not what will happen. <laughs> but nonetheless, I predicted. I think I picked uh, 42 to 34. 42-34 yeah, Virginia 34. Tech. Yep. Chris Coleman? I've consistently underpicked Virginia Tech in terms of points. I mean, and I said that before the, like, the BC game. I said they've scored more points in each game. And you picked thirty four, and then I picked something. I picked them to score thirty four, and then they went out and scored Did 40, forty. Yeah, right. So this week I picked Virginia Tech to break the magical one. I think that's the first time 40, I've done that. Too. Forty points. Yeah. Uh, so I, I picked them to score uh, forty one, and what Wake's defense doesn't scare me as much as BC's does, and it's crazy to think about because Tech smashed BC's defense up front at least, uh, but their offense scares me a lot more. Uh, I think Djokovic is a very, very, very talented quarterback, but he he doesn't have it all under control at this point. I, th- right. I, th- I think Sam Hartman's got it all under control, or at least he seems to. That's interesting because they're both redshirt sophomores, right? Um, 
Well, you know, the whole transfer thing, I guess, maybe. Uh, I don't know exactly when he transferred into BC. And, and maybe Hartman's well, like, on offense like, uh, coach. So I believe it was. Well, Wojciechowicz well, is probably in the same situation as Burmeister. He probably transferred to BC last year, sat out, played scout team quarterback, and then did get spring practice. Right. So, so, Hartman so, is, right, yeah. So Hartman's been there his whole career. Um, so I, I think Wake is going to have success. But I think Virginia Tech will outscore them 41 to 35. Exciting stuff. So Chris has 41 35. Will has 42 34. I won't make a prediction <laughs> on the game itself. I will say, though, I think the winner of this game scores over 50 points. Oof. I think so, huh? I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think the winner of this game scores over 50 points. Big 12 is expanding. <laughs> Get your applications in. <laughs> that's, Virginia that's, Tech, I, I think it is going to be. A high-scoring game. All right. So that's my uh, that's my thing. And, and uh, now, is that regardless of whether it goes to overtime? You're saying regulation. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it could either. Okay, either yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I could see it happening. You're just saying fifty. I, I just think you know. I, I think for the longest time, we always think that not just we everybody like we think mid thirties is high scoring. And then you look at all these scores around not just the ACC uh, but the country. I, it, it, I, the numbers I, are ridiculous. I, I put in parentheses at the end of my prediction today. I was like, it just feels odd. Picking games picking in the thirties like and forties every week. Yeah. It's strange. Yeah. No, it's like uh, it's like the North Carolina State Virginia Tech men's basketball game <laughs> from a couple of years ago. I remember the, the uh, I remember the I remember writing the two thousand seven LSU game preview and picking LSU to win sixteen to three. Wow. And, and LSU fans read it and thought it was the best preview of their team they had ever <laughs> they, they, yeah, I mean, sixteen to three. I was pretty close to Virginia Tech score. You know, he waits all day patiently. He works so hard. It's his time to shine. Best producer in the land. It's time for Malcolm Stewart to take over. I can over. see the PC from here. He's watching YouTube videos. It's, <laughs> it's not ours. <laughs> Look, you don't know what to say. <laughs> you got him. I'm watching our video. Okay. But we'll start with W. Gray 10. Do you think Khalil Herbert has a legit chance at winning the Heisman? Let me jump in real quick with a number real quick, and I want to make sure I pull this up. But Pro Football Focus put out earlier this week their um, top five Heisman candidates through seven weeks of the season. And I'm trying to find the exact number, but essentially it was, I believe it was Trevor Lawrence, number one. Uh, and then um, in some order, let's see. Uh, I'll try and find it in a minute. But anyways, Khalil Herbert was number five on that list. He was the only non-quarterback that was on that list. I, I think you have to do something truly, truly special to play for someone besides a national title contender these days. These and days, when, yeah. So when you know uh, Lamar Jackson won it a few years ago, that, that guy was literally a super freak. Herbert's not a super freak, but he can put up super freak numbers and get in the discussion. So I think... Assuming Virginia Tech's not a national championship contender at the end of the season, um, you know I don't think Tech can go eight and four, and he's a Heisman Trophy finalist with sixteen hundred yards, even though that's a great season. I think he would have to rush for two thousand yards to get the invite. Was it the top five guys that get the invite? The well, they change okay. it each year. Typically, it's five, but like in well, years in a past, COVID year, who knows three. what they're going to do? Okay, well, let's just say it's five. Um, I think he could get an invite as one of those five guys if he rushes for two thousand yards. I I, th I think if Tech was a national title contender, oh, they would be talking about him. Oh well, 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 they're talking about him either way now. But I think for him to get a legit invitation, you know, he needs to if he if he plays for an eight and four 
Virginia Tech team or a nine and three Virginia Tech team, something like that. He needs to rush for two thousand yards uh, I'll, to, I'll go, to, to actually be a legitimate contender. I'll go one step further. He 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 probably has to rush for two thousand yards and over two hundred against Clemson. <laughs> win win or lose. Well, win here, or lose. Well, no, no. Here's the thing: that Clemson game's the last game of the year, oh, uh, or almost okay. the last game, right? So when or the normally that's like the Heisman weekend, or right? I, I think or the next week. Right. Sorry. Here's the thing: a lot of Heisman voters. Send their votes in before the season ends. Well, they're idiots. Well, of course they are. <laughs> but 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 so I'm just saying that if he does rush for 200 on Clemson, there's going to be a bunch of guys who've already sent hey, their ballots. Hey, can in I have that, that back? They're going to be digging in the mailbox trying to pull it out. So the Heisman race, according to Pro Football Focus College, Trevor Lawrence one, Mac Jones, quarterback of Alabama two, Zach Wilson, quarterback of BYU three, Justin Fields, who hasn't played yet, but he's number four for Ohio State, <laughs> the quarterback, uh, and Khalil Herbert, number five. Yeah. All right. I mean, you can't argue with him being on the list in, in the conversation. It, it unfortunately means that Raheem Blackshear cannot be productive if you want Khalil Herbert to win the Heisman. <laughs> right? Well, Khalil will be in the NFL next year at this time. And, and then Raheem and can then have, Raheem his, can have his time to shine. I feel bad for Herbert in a way, not because he's going to be collecting an NFL check next year, but because the one year he gets – he finally got to leave Kansas and play for some a place where they care about football in a great environment. He's not going to play one single game. He's going to tell people one day, I played football at Virginia. He's going to be sitting at a bar one day and having a conversation with the guy next to him and saying, yeah, I used to play football at Virginia Tech. And the guy's going to be like, oh, man, tell me about it or Sam, man. I've always heard Lane Stadium is awesome. And he's going to be like, I don't know. Never got to experience it. That's right. Yep. But you know what? I was like in the Heisman Trophy finalist, but I never, <laughs> I never actually got to. He's going he's yeah. to take his little phone and show a screen cap of where he was. Uh... Yeah. All right. What's next, Malcolm? All right, from James Reckling. Do the, do you think Burmeister will see the field this week? I, think, I don't think so. I mean, unless there's some something that they see on film of Wake Forest defense that they feel like Burmeister can attack better, like in small increments. But other than that, no, I, th- I think yeah, it's soccer. I, I, I think, I think for one, I think looking back, I think the main reason they originally were going to play both of them is yes, I think they like the way Burmeister performed, but in all honesty, I don't think they had enough information on either guy. And I think maybe they planned to play them both the first few games and see how it went and then see where it took them. And because Fuente said at the time, he was like, I can't put a percentage on how much this guy's going to play or that guy or everything like that. I just, like I said, I mean, Burmeister was a scout team quarterback last year. Uh, then they didn't have spring practice. And then he was out for part of the preseason. They just didn't have a lot of information on him. They, We do know that he outperformed Hooker in the first spring or excuse me, the first fall scrimmage, first fall the first scrimmage. August scrimmage. The, 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 we heard after that day that he was the better quarterback on the field that day. So if you're Fuente, you're like, he looked really good today, but I don't have enough information on him. How do I get that information? So I, yeah. I, I broke this down in my Monday article. Um, uh, Hendon's got basically one and a half games under his belt. Burmeister has two and a half. Um Hendon is slightly more effective in the running game, slightly more productive. In the passing game, it's not close. Uh, Hooker has a pass efficiency rating around 170, and Burmeister is down around 105. So I just do not see – Hendon's been so good in the running game, you know, and so I just don't see 
a window for for Braxton to get back in the game. And this is an, another reason you don't quite have the information is because you know they don't practice quarterbacks live. But you know Hendon was hurt last year, and we had we heard that it was a partially torn rotate or partially torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder, mm-hmm. and. When he put his left shoulder down, his non-throwing shoulder down, and ran over that BC guy the other night, I was I was like, wow. I think yeah, he's healthy now because he wouldn't have done that last year. And just some of his arm movements and everything that he wouldn't have done last year. So I think, I think he's more athletic this year as a result of having a healthier shoulder. And he's more physical as a result of having a healthier shoulder. And that's stuff you can't tell when you've got them in a... In a yellow jersey. Or, or orange, orange jersey, jersey as it is these days, yeah. <clears throat> All right, good question. Let's do one more. All right, um, if you one have one more, here's one from Clayton Kuchta. Will the ACC network improve the TV ads? <laughs> uh, well, the funny thing is, uh, I, I found that when I you know, I stream it through my uh, PlayStation YouTube TV. Mm-hmm. And I get different ads. Like I've never seen a Spurtle ad. I, I have no either. idea what y'all are talking about. I know on the ACC on the ACC network through YouTube TV through my PlayStation, it's you get a few Fansville commercials. But mostly it's that stupid ACC commercial over and over and over. And I'm like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> like I, I'm not going to get the game at home this weekend. And which I'm gl- stupid ACC commercial? With the stupid rap song? Sorry, man. I just I, I, I just annoyed I, half of our audience. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it's awful. It's <laughs> not awful. It's just like some commercial breaks. I'll play it twice. Right. I mean, it's 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 so overplayed. Like, I don't think I get the game at home this weekend. I I, I could go to your house and watch it. I could go to somebody else's house and watch it if You're I wanted to. to, go to my house I first. actually I actually think I'm going to go to the bar. And watch it. So you see different commercials. Yes, and well, there 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 will be more noise, and I just won't be able to hear it. Uh, it's it's super annoying, man. You will know when Lucinda comes on and is advertising her spurtle because she'll be just rocking the kitchen. I think man. we need to have a tweet from Chris this weekend when he watches the channel of him seeing these commercials. Are, I just want to tweet. Are, are they still advertising the the tack razor and the tack visors? Uh, and all yeah, that? I think they get mentioned every game. Okay. <clears throat> and, that, that 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 tack shaver was uh was the one that stood out to me. I mean, my gosh, you can shave at the bottom of a lake. And and this is why you should listen to the podcast with Wit instead of just reading the transcription, <laughs> because the transcription does not include my comments about the commercials. Like, I, I think at one point I say, uh, you know, I can't wait to shave underwater, and, and <laughs> Wit just busts out laughing. <laughs> I'm serious. It, I think that's a good place to wrap up today. First of all, yeah. great show today, but I really want to emphasize, go go listen to Will's interview with Wit Babcock yesterday. First of all, we really appreciate Wit taking time out of his busy schedule to, right. to do it, but um, it was a great lesson, um, and Wit was very fun and open, and so it was, it was a great show. So, Three podcasts this week. Gentlemen, especially Will, who's a part of all three. Uh, deep breath. Uh, yeah. Well done. What a great week of shows here at TechSide. It's Live. been a good week for podcasts, for sure. It yep, really yeah. has. <clears throat> so, um, uh, well, that'll, that'll wrap things up, episode 144. But uh, any closing thoughts before we uh, sign off? Like I said, not 0-0 zero, zero at the end of regulation. Uh like I'm, I'm sure I'll at one point I'll tweet out the Russell Crowe from Gladiator where he's like, "Are you not, no, entertained? not entertained?" When, it, when it's like forty to forty at the end of the third <laughs> quarter, I, I don't know. Be sure to follow at Will Stewart TSL at Chris Coleman TSL, of course at Tech Sideline. They have great tweets during the games. 
um, great information that will get tweeted out. So I always enjoy watching the games and, and seeing y- y'all's coverage uh, as well. So you guys do a great job. And, um, yeah, that will wrap things up for us. I want to thank everybody for YouTube Live for uh, commenting and asking questions. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button, please. Help us out. And uh, we look forward to being back on Monday morning to break down Virginia Tech-Wake Forest. So Virginia Tech's win over Wake Forest. There you go. That's the final thoughts right there on the podcast. Jinx it like he uh, jinxed Brian Johnson. <laughs> All right, that'll do it. For, that'll do it for us, for our managing editor, Chris Coleman, <laughs> our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. He's the best producer in the land. Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 144 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Have a great week and enjoy the game on Saturday.